And now, on Nova Radio Extra as well as podcast, it's time for Plug In and Play with Wayne Madden. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Plug In and Play um, on Nova Radio Northeast Extra. That is uh, part of, well, it's Nova Radio Extra. It's part of the Nova Radio Northeast family. And um, it's an exciting new show, Plug In and Play. It's all about video gaming. And we are going to be talking to you about your favorite video games. Um, And we always want you to kind of feedback to us. So, if you like what you hear, write into us, let us know, uh, let us know what games you want to see featured. Uh, it's a bit of a pet project that I've been meaning to do for absolutely months. So I'm sort of finally can't believe that we are now recording the second ever episode. It's a bit frightening, actually, in that respect. Um, but I'm delighted that we're doing that. And to help me uh, for this week, we have an absolutely phenomenal guest um and uh he is i mean i first met this guy through british wrestling if you can believe that and uh he is a phenomenal performer and he's a gent and he always has a smile on his face he's one of the nicest guys in the business i've ever met um his fans know him as ryan ace um i know him as mr gardner and i'm delighted to uh to welcome Ryan Gardner to the show. Ryan, how, how are you? How are you doing? Hello, Wayne. It's uh, it's nice speaking to you again after all these months. You know, it feels like forever. Um, it does. No, it I'm, does. Uh, it's just uh, been too long, man. But no, I'm fantastic. I'm phenomenal. I'm excited to be here. You know, a second passion of mine is video games. So it's I'm just excited to be here. So I'll talk about them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and obviously to share a load of different common interests as as well as wrestling to find out that you were an eager gamer but I think it's probably worth mentioning at the top of the program that that is not uncommon in the wrestling world a lot of great wrestlers um, such as yourself uh, Lana Austin uh, the Ashen Mm -hmm. Brothers um, are really like they're dedicated gamers. The two seem to go hand in hand. Those worlds. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You see, you say you see it all over the wrestling business. Say not just with the local scene, but like with like the guys in the WWE, like of AJ Styles and and Page. You know, they're all massive yes. heavy games. It seems like the, as you say, the two worlds just go hand in hand. Um, yeah, absolutely. I say a lot of a lot of them started like sort of uh, streaming on Twitch as well, like. Um, both its own uh, commentator, Mr. Jake Gray. No, he oh, started yes. his own. He's uh, started his own Twitch channel as well. So everyone's just there. Uh, and I know Damian Black from the Ashen Brothers uh, also started doing a bit of Twitch over lockdown. So it's uh, yeah. Uh, so it seems like no. everything's going hand in hand. Definitely, definitely. Um, I'm I'm trying to think. There's um. Emily, um, is it is it Emily Beach as well, or um... oh yes, uh, Emily Hayden. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And she does. She's been doing Twitch stuff for a little while as well. But I remember um, when I was I was at Full Tilt a couple of months ago, and and we were talking, I think, to yourself that night in the Ashen Brothers, and we were doing some bits and pieces, and on the card 
was Lana Austin. And um, we'd ended up kind of having a chat with Lana because she'd come down from Manchester to do the full tilt show. And um, mm. she was talking to us about Final Fantasy VII at the time. The remake had literally just right. come out. And she was like driving yeah, yeah. back to Manchester that night to play it the next day. <laughs> she was like <laughs> massive, massive sort of like, oh my God, I, I got to play the new Final Fantasy. Have you played it yet? And it was like, wow. Um, <laughs> so it was it was quite cool. It was quite cool. Um, uh, yes. It's also the dedicated gamers, isn't there? Like when uh, you just have to get back to play the game. It's, it's cool. Like I know I, uh, on, when was it? Thursday, I had yes. the Watch Dogs Legion. Watchdogs Legion came out, and oh, uh, yes. I hate do I hate doing early shifts, but I, I did the early shift at work just so I can get home in time to uh, <laughs> to play it. It's uh, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because um, especially yeah. with uh, I mean, a game like Watchdogs Legion, um, it's amazing, mm. and that being based in London, how was that for you? Because obviously, a lot of those Grand Theft Auto Watchdog Watch style games normally mm -hmm. based in america based somewhere like chicago mm -hmm. or some mock los angeles if you like this game yeah, yeah. very much based um on the streets of london and unlike sort of was it assassin's creed syndicate i think was the one that was was in london in the yeah. 18 the, the late 1800s but beyond that mm -hmm. now you're talking a modern day London in a video game. It's quite, uh, it's mm -hmm. quite cool actually to see it. It is, uh, it is definitely cool to see uh, London and England represented in the game. Uh, yes. The other thing that I found uh, a bit difficult and hard to adjust to is, as you say, every all those games like that are normally based in America. Yes. So when you get a game in London, and of course you're in England, we drive on the other side of the the road. <laughs> so what is when you're used to driving in video games on one side of the road, and then it's like, actually, no, you're in your home country now, and it's trying to just remember to not drive directly onto the traffic. Because <laughs> I've often found myself playing Grand Theft Auto, right? And I would be, um, you know, driving along, and I find I'm actually driving on the left side as opposed to the right side. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And I'm like causing accidents and everything. I mean, I, I can take all this out of the end, of course, but it uh, yeah, it shows it shows dedication and it shows a, a live element to it. It really does. It really does. It right. Does. Oh, okay. Indeed. All off the cuff. Brian, a couple of questions for plug in mm -hmm. and play. Um, let's start. Can you name your favorite video game of all time? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Favorite video game of all time. Do you know what? I'm going to have to go with Star Wars Empire at War. Okay. I loved that game for so long. Um, I remember when it first came out back in 2005 when I first got it. Uh, of course, it had been damaged on my disc a few times. So I've bought about seven copies of it. Until I got to a point where I wow. left, kept losing the discs, and then I said, "Sorry, I'll buy it on Steam." So yes. I can now never lose it. Um, but no, I, I've played that game for so many years, had so many uh, playing hours in it. Uh, I have to say, that's my favorite game of all time. 
phenomenal. Okay. Um, and what's, was that just sort of, was that just on PC that you've played that? Yeah, yeah, just on PC. Um, so I've always been a Star Wars fan. Uh, yes. unfortunately, I, I've always been a console guy as well, but unfortunately it's one of those games you can't get for the console. No, I was going to say, they've never, um, They've. it's only PC and Mac, they've never actually done um, a yeah. console port of that, but um, no, an absolutely uh, phenomenal game, um, 100%. Oh, yeah. um, remember from, uh, times from... when I was, when I was younger, I used to... <laughs> it's okay, I'm not going back to school now. Uh, I was eight years old and I was there. I just started, you know, thought, wow, I really want to play Star Wars today, but I've got to go to school. So I may or may not have gone gone to the toilet at school, shoved two fingers down my throat and made myself sick to go home. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's it. That's it. That's dedication. That's like like the old... uh, that's like the old uh, the Atari Lynx ads where the guy is like, uh, there's a, there's an old advert for the Atari Lynx from America, and you should right. you should look this up on YouTube if you've never seen it. But basically, it's a teacher in a classroom, and he's doing the register or something, and then he looks around and he's like, uh, where where is where is that student? You know, and it turns out that the guy is basically in the toilet cubicle uh, playing the Atari Lynx. And it's like full color <laughs> screen, you know, you won't be able to keep your eyes off it. And it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, um, <laughs> um, dedication though, isn't it? It is, it is dedication. And you'll notice that in the question, <laughs> that's why in the question I said, could you name your favorite video game of all time? Because so far, such would mm-hmm. we have not, um, we have not yet gotten ourselves to a situation where someone says oh i can't but eventually someone Mm. says oh maybe maybe i can't name my ultimate favorite game but anyway number number Mm. two what is what is your favorite and i'm I'm glad i put this in now for the differentiation between what you said for your first question but what's your favorite console or handheld of all time and what Ooh, I'm probably. <laughs> oh, that's a hard. You could find some hard questions here, Wayne. <laughs> well, you know, we, Ooh, we just I... yeah, yeah. <laughs> John, I'm probably gonna have to say the Xbox 360. Okay. Uh, okay. Love the Xbox. The thing is, this is the first Xbox console I got. Was the 360? Yes. Yes. I was always at PlayStation. You had PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. Yes. Um, and then it came to a, a point where I went to my mum and my dad. I was like, look, please, please. I was young. I can't remember how young I was, but <laughs> I think eight, it would have been eight or something. But Fair I said enough. to my mum, <laughs> I said to my mum, please, 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 can I have a PlayStation 3 for Christmas? Just please, you know, all my friends have got, you know, updated consoles and I'm still on the PlayStation 2. Please, 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 can I just have the next generation console. Yes. And mum and dad, and mum and dad, you know, we'll see, we'll see. So Christmas Day comes, I run downstairs, unwrap the paper, and they've bought me an Xbox 360. Fair so, play. Fair play. Um, so, so I looked at it, and I was like, you know, just in shock, like, I've actually got a console, a new console. And uh, I just found the Xbox, everything so easy to use, and the controller, especially with where the thumbsticks are, just I think that it's, it's so easy to use, and I've, I've had an Xbox ever since, you know? 
And it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, the Xbox, um, even now for the current generation that we have, you know, the Xbox One and mm-hmm. we have PS4, you know, soon to be PS5. But even now, you've got that sort of differential where you will still find a uniqueness about Xbox games. And actually, there will still be a lot to justify i mean if you have the money there'll be a lot to justify having both consoles because there are you know there are things about the xbox its presentation its controllers that people really enjoy for your Mm -hmm. for your 360 what was some of like sort of the pivotal games i mean did you did you have a game with it when you got it or did you sort of is there a game that sort of for you personifies the 360 as as a game console? Ooh, well, um, the game I got with the Xbox 360 console was uh, I don't know if you remember the game. It's uh, Legends of WrestleMania. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. That was the, the first game I got with the Xbox 360. Um, I just remember playing that for ages. Just as intrigued by you know just better graphics and everything. I was. Yes, um, it's the new controller. I was just intrigued by the game that drew yeah. me in. Well, but, absolutely, yeah. Uh, but I'd be lying if I didn't say Halo. You know, what I mean, it's oh, like fair enough. No, no, one absolutely. Of the, my favorite favorite games when I was younger. Me and my brother would co op on Halo, uh, Halo Four, I think, especially. Um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Halo Four, Halo Three, one of those two. Oh. Uh, but it's Halo in general. You know, it's. Uh, hours of fun on halo i mean i think i think you know halo and then to an extent gears of war are definitely i mean because they are three i mean you know i think it will be a cold day in hell the xbox will have to have disappeared before gears of war will end up on a playstation console (laughs) and you know and so it was it was a long it was a long, long time before I actually mm-hmm. sat down and properly went, okay, I'm going to play Gears of War. And when yeah, I yeah. did, I was like, this game is amazing. And I mean, Halo was amazing as well. But mm-hmm. when I played those two games, I kind of thought, now I know the reason why Xbox is still going so strong. Because yeah. as you say, when you are a PlayStation nut, if you like, when you are a PlayStation enthusiast, it's mm-hmm. very easy to forget the competition because PlayStation are throwing these exclusives at you and you kind of think, hang on, are there Xbox exclusives? And then someone says, oh, yeah, only Gears of War and Halo. But let me be honest, if those were the only two exclusives that ever appeared on Xbox, they are very good exclusives. And there, will, there will no doubt be a show at some stage in this series about Halo and Gears of War, 100%, one each. I, I have a funny feeling. Indeed. Um, so the, the third question, there are only five of these, but I'm liking where this is going. The third question, Ryan, what are your first memories of gaming? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. It'd have to be when I was incredibly young on, I don't know how old I would be. Uh, but it was back when, before days of PS2, we were playing on the PlayStation 1. Yes. Uh, I just remember playing games when I was younger, like sort of, uh, oh, what was the game? The Simpsons Wrestling or something like that. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's a common trend. I've always been a wrestling fan from a young age. Like, 
<laughs> fairly, I'm, I'm fairly sure Simpsons Wrestling, if I remember correctly, that was Electronic Arts. Um, yeah, so. 2000, 2001 for the PlayStation, um, March 2001, the only Simpsons video game ever released for the PlayStation, which I never would have thought, actually. I would have thought that there that. would have been another. Uh, the game was widely panned by critics and is apparently considered to be one of the worst video games of all time. <laughs> Let's ignore that for the moment, though. Uh, please continue. <laughs> yeah, I read that as well, and now I'm scared to play it back because I like it how I remember it better than how probably it is. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Um, I find out a lot so, of things like things are better in your memory than how you remember them. Than, uh, this is <laughs> this is often the case. This is absolutely... Mm. I mean, I mean, but there are some, there are some phenomenal... Uh, I mean, you know, as a... It, I think the game features about 20 odd characters from the show and that yeah, particular yeah. game, there's, there's quite a few in there that are, are quite good. So as well as obviously, you know, Homer and Marge and Bart and Lisa and whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, you've got Itchy and Scratchy, you've got Kang and Kodos, you've yeah. got Mr. Burns, Moe, Ned Flanders, you've got Groundskeeper, Willie, Apu, and of course, Krusty, who's one of my favourites. You don't, unfortunately, get Diamond Joe Quimby, who's always been one of my favourite Simpsons characters. But I must I must say as well, actually, um, I'm noticing, because you've mentioned Simpsons Wrestling and Legends of WrestleMania, is an obvious sort of, has that sort of, has gaming firmly, did it kind of shake your interests alongside your love of wrestling? And, and they kind of, you know, helped you to become the man you are today, as it were? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely helped um, ingrain wrestling into me. Say like when I was younger, my dad would watch his old uh, DVDs of WrestleMania and all them. Um, and of course, yes. I'd watch them with them, likes of Hogan and Warrior and all them. Yes. Uh, but then, say, as soon as I got the PlayStation, say, I, I had, uh, what did I have? SmackDown 2. Uh, know your, uh, is that Know Your Role? Yes. Then, yes. Yep. And then, say, growing up, I've had every game in the series from SmackDown 2 to WWE 2K20. You know, so it's wow. definitely been something that I've grew up on. I've, playing hours of wrestling definitely has captured my interest more. Um, since I was playing the wrestling games, I was watching wrestling on TV. I was going to the live shows. So just everything, I was just surrounded by wrestling and video games. And that definitely helped uh, shape, um, shape my love of wrestling. It also, funny yes. enough, helped shape my love of, uh, of 2000s rock and metal as well. Yes, of course. Um, absolutely. And, and I think I've often I've often said um, both on on the Spanish announce table, which which I, I, I co-host with Nova Radio Northeast. Um, mm -hmm. And I've often said to yourself and a couple of other people that, you know, especially when I started getting into different bands like sort of Creed or Limp Bizkit or anything like that or Theory yeah. of a Dead Man a lot of those groups came directly because of their promotion in WWF stroke WWE. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to imagine that I would have gotten to know them as well if it mm -hmm. wasn't for the fact that they were featured uh, so heavily in that promotion. So it's yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, completely. Because normally I, I, I wouldn't go out seeking, seeking bands like Dark New Day or Blackstone Cherry and all them. Yes, but just like growing up on the games, 
being the soundtrack for the games and of course you just hear it over and over for hours and hours and hours and to yeah. this day I check my Spotify playlist and I've got Blackstone Cherry and Dark New Day on my playlist you know <laughs> yeah no 100% god I think um god I think I was only listening to Creed this morning actually came on one of the Spotify playlists I had on random that I was uh-huh. going through songs I songs I still like or something or songs I still listen to or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it was uh, that that's mad um so question question 4 uh what are you what are you currently playing if anything what games are you currently playing at the moment when you get the opportunity yeah so i'm currently at the moment in between three games at the moment okay um, because I'm very indecisive. Uh, no, that's fair enough. Um, so, of course, uh, as the aforementioned Watch Dogs Legion, um, yes. currently playing through that at the moment. I'm quite enjoying that as well. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of Watch Dogs 2 a bit, which I wasn't much of a fan of, but I am enjoying Legion. Uh, and also, I'm playing through at the moment, I just started uh, Detroit to Become Human. Ah, excellent. Excellent. Just just started that and then on the side if i've got a few minutes waiting for a game to install or something i'll be playing um fallout new vegas nice nice um it's interesting actually because um when you said watchdogs the first one uh the adventures of aiden pierce as it were where he's trying to um lena his niece and he's trying to you know kind of avenge her death, uh, her yeah. tragic death. That game, I I always love that storyline. And the more people said they hated that game, the more I was drawn to it. And I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. This is the game for me. But mm-hmm. it's funny, I've never actually played the second Watchdog. So to date, I've never played right. the second. I think I played a demo of it for about 15 minutes of it one night. I remember mm-hmm. doing that but I've never actually played it. So I'd heard that Legions was obviously coming out and it was a big thing. I haven't gotten the chance to sit down and play that yet. I definitely want to at some mm-hmm. stage. But um, yeah, Watch Dogs kind of, I think when the trailer for the first Watch Dogs originally hit, I thought this could be the next big game. This could be oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> as I say, as I say, as the trailer dropped, I was in high school. I think I was yes. just on my way to uh, to my ICT class. Just yes. on the way, I stopped. I saw the trailer. I instantly messaged my dad saying, "You've got to buy me this game, or you've got to buy this game," because me and dad were both into our 360 at the time. Yes. Um, yes. My dad's kind of leaned away from video games now, but uh, I messaged him saying, "We've got to get this game," and my dad. In Seagull Boxing, yes, 100%. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, we saw it. I would have thought, as you said, this is going to be the next big thing. Well, this is it. Um, it was, you know, it was at the right time. And Ubisoft, obviously, I mean, as a as a production company, Ubisoft are obviously milling out stuff every single, like every six months, there seems yeah, to be yeah. an Assassin's Creed. I mean, I know obviously we're on the cusp of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is arguably going to be the last big game for the ps4 and the first big title the first big third party title for the ps5 and so um we've we've got this like valhalla thing going on but it only seems like two seconds ago that we had odyssey 
and then it only seems like two seconds before that that we had origins and I yeah. mean you know there there is a hell of and I mean you will know being an Xbox 360 gamer I'm mm-hmm. fairly confident there's about 10 Assassin's Creed titles on the Xbox 360 alone mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm fairly confident there's there's quite a few um if I if I have a look at the order of the games to try and figure out this, there's Assassin's Creed, the original, which was on the 360 in 2007. Then yes. there was its sequel in 2009. Then there mm-hmm. was Brotherhood in 2010. Then there was Revelations in 2011. Then there mm-hmm. was finally Assassin's Creed 3, which is my personal favorite. Um, that was in 2012. Then yep. we had Assassin's Creed 4 the year after in 2013. Then we had Assassin's Creed Rogue in the same year, which was originally introduced as a DLC, actually for Black Flag, before they turned it into a story of its own. Um, it was kind of the, the most interesting one in a way, because yeah. instead of playing the role of an assassin, you take up the role of a Templar. And so you actually become um, the bad guy, effectively, which which I felt was kind of really interesting about the start of Assassin's Creed 3. You've mm-hmm. never played that particular game. The opening of Assassin's Creed 3 has that sort of twist after the first 20 minutes that's quite good. Um, but obviously things went a little bit downhill because after Rogue you had Unity in 2014. Um, then you had Syndicate that we mentioned earlier in London, Victorian era London in 2015. And then indeed uh, Origins didn't come along until 2017, but mm-hmm. um, absolutely kind of reinvented Assassin's Creed at that point. And uh, Odyssey then 2018. And then, of course, this has now left um, us to a situation where we now have um, Valhalla coming out this year, 2020. But of course, as well as that, you've also got the Chronicles. Um, So you've got the China Chronicles, and then there's one based in Tsarist Russia. There's the 2D games. There is Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation that was out for the Vita. Um, so they never stop working on something. It's uh, I think Rockstar could learn a thing or two because whereas for the past six years, we've got six Assassin's Creed games at a minimum. For the yeah. last six years, we've got one Grand Theft Auto game and that's Grand Theft Auto 5. <laughs> I, I'm very disappointed about that because uh, they were going to make an announcement or something, weren't they, about regarding Rockstar and the uh, the new gen consoles. I know, it's yes. like, finally, finally, a new yeah. yeah. And then it sounded, we are remastering it for the new consoles. It's like, what? Oh, no. yeah, you're just like, oh, but, God. <laughs> fair enough, it's made them a lot of money in that, but I want something new now. Well, this is it. This is exactly it. No, 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 100%. Yeah. I'm like, why can't they, why can't they just give us, you know, um, well, a new game, as you say. I mean, it'd be one mm. thing if at least it was like, look, it's the structure of the old game. 
we're going to bring in a new character. We're going to have it implemented into the main story. Or if you finish the main story, which you should have by this stage, but if you haven't, you know, we're going to implement it. Or the PS5 version will have something unique. I mean, at least when they first brought it on PS4 and Xbox One, there was the whole thing about the fact that they had a first-person view. So you had that first-person view. Um, and that was at least a novel sort of change to make it a slightly bit unique for that generation. Mm-hmm. And obviously the graphics, it wasn't a remaster. It was built to sort of be on the bigger systems and to look prettier. But yeah, um, yeah it, I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to look like on the PS5. I, I really, I hope it's not like another Last of Us PS4. Because, as, again, as much as I love The Last of Us, when you play that on PS4, you kind of realize, wow, this game has aged spectacularly in such a short space <laughs> of time. Um, uh, that's, yeah, but people, people will send me angry letters about that. I can, I can feel it already. <laughs> they're, they're typing away. He can't destroy it. How, how dare he criticize Last of Us anyway? <laughs> um, how dare he? How dare he? Right. Um, feel so, it now, can't you? Indeed, indeed, I can feel the hate already, and we're 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 only, we're only you know we're only minutes into the second show. No, um, so final question, and as I say, we're we're asking these to every guest who comes on the show and uh, get an idea for the audience to know a little bit more about you. So, the last question is a is a bit of a weird one because I thought I wanted to throw in a bit of a curveball here. So, question is, if you made a video game. What would it be like if you made a video game? What would it be like? Ooh, <laughs> ooh, that's a, I've never really thought about it before. Because um... I have a funny feeling that if I if I put the same question to Damien Black, he'd he'd just take out about like thirty pages of like scribblings on a four. <laughs> I'll I'll just uh, yeah I'll I'll just let you know you know we we open on a field surrounded by children and it's just like what you know and uh, it just takes us into this cinematic masterpiece <laughs> of a of a Konami game but um, um which is which I think is the Davian, kind of game yeah yeah I think with Davian Black it end up being a a Resident Evil nineteen or some something oh, yeah 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 absolutely no a hundred percent a hundred percent. But I think, yes, I think for me, if I was going to make a game, I'm I like my strategy games, okay. So maybe like so, Empire War, um, uh, so maybe like a some sort of strategy game, Star Wars based, like maybe a more modern version of, of Empire War, might okay. be good. With because yeah. of course since then there's been a lot of new Star Wars lore added, you know, since yes, it came out 2005, I think it was. Um, because yeah, I just as much as the see, uh, I'm a bit iffy on the uh, the sequels, I would just sure. love to blow something up a Star Killer base, you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe not just necessarily a strategy game, maybe some more of a Star Wars. Star Wars based game. Um yes. Because I, I like love Star Wars. Um uh, maybe something like Jedi. I don't know, I think that's something like Jedi uh Fallen Order, some more like a open world open world game actually. Let's go with that. Yeah. Open world Star Wars game. 
No, fair play, fair play. Um, now it's, I know it's interesting. Quite a bit. Yes. I know I changed quite a bit there from strategy game to open world. No, not, 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 a, not at all. It could be, do you know, it's funny though, when you were talking about like strategy video games, the first thing yeah, that yeah. came to mind, because obviously we, we mentioned, um, we mentioned electronic arts earlier as well, briefly, but I was thinking that of course, only the last few months, a mm -hmm. lot of people have been uh, very much obsessed on origin and steam with the remastered collection from Band and Conquer. Um, yeah. And this is this is obviously something that is ingrained in a generation of gamers. But I mean, I can remember, God, I can remember playing the first ever Commanding Conqueror, or one of the first. And I must yeah. have been about 15 at the time. And, and I mean, you know, we're, we're talking, good Lord, when I think about that, that must have been 20 years ago, which which just makes me feel sad. But um, but no, <laughs> but but it's it's true, though. And I remember yeah, God, yeah. it must have been. I must have been about 14, 15, and it must have mm -hmm. literally been about 20 odd years ago. And I was sitting down at a friend's house and we were playing on his really dodgy PC. And we thought like, oh, this is, this is the best game ever made. Nothing will mm -hmm. ever top this. And then now we have Detroit Become Human and Beyond Two Souls and Heavy, yeah. you know, we have all these phenomenally good graphic games. But at the time, Command and Conquer with the real actors pretending to be Stalin and all this and playing the videos. And, you know, we were lo loading the quick time video in between the campaigns. You know, it yeah. just was like, this, this is it. This is it. Have you have you ever played much Command and Conquer yourself in terms of as a strategy title? I'm going to be honest. I actually haven't. I've never uh, I've heard about it. I've heard nothing but good things, but I've just never have picked up a copy myself um it's definitely something i'll definitely be looking into in the future because say, i love strategy games like sort of xcom as well you know um, oh yeah yeah uh, but it's something a command and conquer is just something i've never really never really played don't know why not that i, I dislike or anything just something i never really yes never really hmm. did <laughs> no, I mean, I, well, I, no, I mean, fair enough. I would, I would definitely recommend the remastered collection because uh, a friend of mine who was massively into his games as well, and we are, we are of similar age, and and this gentleman had said to me, you know, he says you've got to pick up the Command and Conquer remastered. He says, if nothing else, he says the soundtrack has been remastered in such a way that it's been re-recorded with like new players and everything, and. Right. It, sounds glorious and i think that's good when they do that i think when they remaster a game to include the fact that they've updated the soundtrack because you know as as nostalgic as it is to hear the classic music one of i mean one of the things i spoke about on another episode of this show with chris about final fantasy 7 was that it was amazing in the remake to have that orchestra playing a full orchestra playing the original soundtrack that had originally been developed for the PlayStation's, um, you know, sound chip. And at the time, the PlayStation sound chip was amazing, was amazing technology from Sony. But to see that upgraded for the soundtrack to be played by a full orchestra is just full on incredible. So um, yeah. it's the same for that. I meant to ask you as well, actually, um, before we we delve further into some of these games that we uh, that we were going to talk about on the show. You mm -hmm. mentioned earlier that you're currently playing 
um, between three games, which is interesting because probably another add-on question I'd like to ask then is, is that something you do often? Do you often play three games at the same time? Not at once, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> do you do you often yeah do you often jump between three games or two or three titles, or would you sort of start a game, play it, finish it, or then become bored with it and then sort of move on to something else? Um, a, a mixture of both. Normally, it's not usually three. Normally, it's like two. Uh, yes. Because what I'll do is I'll have, I'll buy a game and I'll install it. And when I was in, waiting for the install to happen, because that could take, you know, God knows how long. I'll just certainly I'll, can. Yes. I'll plug a, I'll just stick another game on in the meantime. Yeah. The downside of that is I'll then get ingrained in the game I'm playing. So when that yes. game installs, that I've been looking forward to, it's like, right, I'm going to pause this for a bit, go in the game that I, I was installing, play that for a bit, then when it comes like a before I go to bed or something, it's like right, I've got half an hour before I go to bed. I'll go back to the one before. Um, yes. So I will tend to bounce, but mainly sometimes I have this one main game, if you will, and then just my yeah. my side game. So my main game, which is the one obviously I'll be playing majority of my time, and then the side game I'll play like oh I've got a spare few minutes, I'll stick that on. Um, it's always like the side games, never something like story driven like in-depth story driven like so yeah it, it, it's always uh either Star Wars Empire War Prison Architect or um Fallout New Vegas something where I can easily just pause it and come back to it and nothing would have, I wouldn't have missed anything mm. um and then of course my main game is something obviously story driven likes of Watchdog Legion or Detroit or Heavy Rain you know something that I have to I spend most of my time that I get really into um, yeah, but no, the three games this time was just basically because I'm playing Detroit, waiting for the game to install with uh, Fallout, but then also Watch Dogs Legion came on Thursday, so I was just just bouncing between the three. Fair play, fair play, um, and I and I think it's 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 a fair it's a fair point for those by the way who may have heard a weird noise there a little while ago just to explain to you that we're recording this through my PC's audio. And that was a notification to tell me that I had a like on Instagram. Now, I could take that out of the edit if I can find it afterwards, but it, should you hear that noise and should you hear this subsequent explanation, please <laughs> we can be thankful, we can be thankful that I am not as popular on Instagram as to receive a like on so many occasions. So um, you know, we can we can at least be be thankful. But it's um it's funny though what you've been saying, because I tend to have like a little bit of a of a quirk which will almost like drive people nuts where right. I will I will buy two games, right? I will buy two games at the same time. And the okay. idea is that one game that I buy um will be uh so so one game that i buy will just basically be for um you know playing and obviously going through that game and having you know a story driven game the yeah. other game i'll probably buy just to have on reserve for when i'm finished and then mm -hmm. so the idea is that i'm always sort of a game ahead of myself if you like um, right. And that's how I sort of like to to see it. 
Um, okay. And it is it is a bit of a it is a bit of a weird one because when it comes to certain games, I will mm-hmm. play them, and especially more recently, a lot of the games I've been playing, I've been playing them more intently where I will try and focus on them to the point that I'm finishing them, or I will play something that I've already finished because I want to go through the whole thing. Whereas I have to be fair, there was a time when it was quite popular for me to start a game and a few days later or a few weeks later, I might just stop it and then just move on completely, which in some senses makes absolutely no sense unless you're so bad at a game that you can't finish it, you kind of should at least proceed to the end. And there yeah. were many occasions when I was so bad at a game that I was not able to finish it. But, but there are some games that stand out like Arkham, Arkham Asylum and Arkham oh, yeah. City, the Batman games, they stand out in my mind because even during that period where I could cast off a game after a couple of days of play, I Mm -hmm. stuck with those two games from start to finish. And they were the type of games where as I was coming to an end, I was trying to slow down what I was playing and doing all Mm -hmm. the side missions because I didn't want the experience to end. I wanted it to keep going. Which I I completely understand with that. Yeah. 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 I think it's no 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 i was just gonna say it is it is the sign of a good game but um you were saying the arkham games for you were were quite good were quite pivotal oh yeah honestly it's second to none the arkham games remember one time we were down at uh i was down at Manti's down in um basenstoke oh yes for all you listening out there it's uh, a good six hour drive from where i currently live okay. so we're just going down there visiting family um my cousin had a uh, PlayStation 3. So Arkham Asylum hadn't come out yet, but the demo was out. And at okay. the time, I didn't... At the time, I, when I was younger, I didn't really look at the trailers at that time. Um, mainly everything I saw, everything I got was either when I'd go to Granger Games or game with my dad and yes. see what they had on the shelves, you know. Um, but I think this is the first game that I actually watched the trailer for was Arkham Asylum. And I spent loads of hours just playing the demo of it. And it's like the same mission, you know, it's the same mission over and over, but I just spent hours and hours just playing it to the point where is when I got the Xbox, because at the time I had PlayStation 2 still. So it got to a point where I got the Xbox 360. The first time I went to game, I yes. scoured the shelves for Arkham Asylum, just scoured them and hello behold, I got it. And uh, I just fell in love with the Arkham series. Absolutely yeah. fell in love. I mean, it was, it was difficult. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm sorry, I've got no, now no, go ahead. the shelves, I've got, just looking now, I've got the Xbox 360 Arkham Asylum, just looking over the Xbox yeah. 360 Arkham City, I've got Arkham Origins for the Xbox 360. Then I've got Arkham Knight for the Xbox One. Then I've got the Return to Arkham set next to it. So I even bought the remastered versions of Asylum and City just because wow. I love them so much. I mean, I I think it's it's fair to say that they are they are phenomenal games. And 100%. what's quite oh yeah yeah, but 
what's quite interesting about um, Arkham City and, and Arkham Asylum is that there are examples of games where when Arkham Asylum came out, as you've quite rightly said just there, there was very little hype in the sense that most people went, well, if you're not a fan of Batman, you're not going to pay much attention to this game. And then when the game came out, people went, hang on, even if you're not a fan of Batman, you should be, and you definitely should be playing this game. Mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of turned things on its head. Now, by the time the second game came out, there was so much promotion and hype for that game. Mm -hmm. That was fair enough. But Asylum originally took so many people by surprise because I think they'd partially written it off. I think mm -hmm. they'd seen it as just another tie-in and they didn't really expect anything from it in the sense that it was it was almost like, I mean, it wasn't as bad as Superman on N64 or something, but they were obviously tying it in with that whole superhero franchise and going, yeah, 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 it's, you know, it'll never, it won't amount to much. And it very much did amount to a lot. Um, and I think it's quite interesting as well, because it, it ties in a little bit to, to what we, well, what I wanted to talk about primarily today, mm -hmm. which is the fact that there was a time where video games were very much just, you know, a series of events. And by yeah. that, I mean, they would cobble together a number of different things that you did and they'd have a loose connection. So one example might be the classic sort of, if you've ever played a game like Terminator versus Robocop for the Sega Mega Drive, was very right. much like, uh, it's, it's, it's not a bad game, but it's right. a very cheap sort of cash-in type game. In the, and I, I can almost hear the angry letters already, but in, in the <laughs> sense, in the sense that a lot of those levels are just, they have very little to do with either franchise and right. they are just a series of events. So in one level, you're on a bike. In the other level, you're on a platform. In the other level, you're throwing grenades down the hall and you're trying to blow up, you know, T-1000s or, you know, ATTs or whatever the walkers coming at you. Not, um, not obviously... Not obviously the uh, the walkers from Star Wars on the ice planet Hoth. We are, of course, talking <laughs> about the, the very similar but smaller scale versions in Robocop. Anyway, uh, the ED-109 or something, I think it's called. Anyway, the no. point is, you know, when they made a video game, all these different levels were based on different games mechanics and they would throw it together. Whereas when you got to PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, you started seeing a lot more story-driven narrative. You start seeing a yeah. lot more care into the storyline. Mm -hmm. And so at one time, you would have a film like Resident Evil or Super Mario Brothers or Street Fighter that was based on the game. And, you know, you'd go to the cinema and you'd see the movie and then you'd go and buy the game and you'd be like, oh, I saw the movie and Jean-Claude Van Damme was kicking ass and, you know, that's Street Fighter. Whereas now I think technology has caught up to the point where it's so common for the game to inspire the series or the yeah. game to sell the movie as opposed to a movie as a vehicle to shift units of the game or be promotion for the game 
um mm-hmm. it can do so much it can do so much oh definitely definitely especially now over the years as well with the video game community growing like it's no longer seen as like a well it kind of is you know it's no longer seen as like the outcasty nerdy thing because you know everyone now plays plays video games you know if you're under the age of you know 40 or 50 like you'll run to people who will primarily just play video games yes so it's definitely as you say definitely important promotion and everything that goes into it as well no i think i think you're 100 percent right there absolutely and and it's mm-hmm. funny because um it does bring us nicely to a game which this year celebrates its 10th anniversary and that sort of scares me that this game is 10 years old because of partially the revolution that it was at the time now we talk and I'm, I'm I don't mean to say that Batman Arkham Asylum is 10 years old, but Batman Arkham Asylum is actually 11 years old. This definitely ties in because Batman Arkham Asylum is 2009. That was by Rocksteady, of course. And not long after, in the shadow of that game, from developers Quantic Dream, from director David Cage, came the game Heavy Rain which yeah. in 2010 was an interactive drama action adventure game. And the game basically, it is, it is an interactive movie in a sense. It is probably the most comparable to an FMV style game from the early 90s on PC. It is probably comparable to that, except it's not that because there's no video footage. It's all um it's it's all rendered graphics all playable characters but it features four protagonists involved in the mystery of the oregon killer who's a serial murderer who uses extended periods of rainfall to drown his victim Mm -hmm. so the player interacts with the game by performing actions highlighted on screen relative to the motions of the controller and in some cases obviously performing a series of quick time events which we will come to later. But the interesting thing is that the player's decisions and actions during the game very much directly affect the narrative. And depending on what you do in this game, the game is one way or the other. It can, you know, how it turns out, the ending very much shaped on your actions for each of these characters as to whether they live and die. And even if they do live as to the outcome that they receive. Um, you have Ryan. You, you've you've obviously played Heavy Rain very recently again, which is how yeah. we we came to talk about you know wanting to record uh, this episode. Um, was that the first time you'd ever played Heavy Rain? Yeah, it was completely. Um, See, so growing up, I had uh, Xbox. You know, from when Heavy Rain was released, I had an Xbox, and I was an yes. Xbox gamer at the time. Yes, and of course, Heavy Rain at the time was PlayStation exclusive. It certainly so, was, yes. <laughs> I couldn't play it. Um, and I always had this thing like, right, I've seen a lot of like trailers and videos on it and it just gripped me and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then it got to this year and I just built myself a gaming PC. Fantastic. So I'm just browsing through Steam and then I was like, I wonder if uh, I searched out of, you know, game search. And this came yes. across uh, Detroit's Become Human. 
and I was looking, I was going to buy Detroit to become human anyway, regardless. Uh, but then I scrolled down and I had a deal on where Detroit was something like £30 at the time. And uh, But if you bought the deal, you would get Detroit become human, Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain for like, I think it was £15 nice. more. Very nice. And the only game I recognised besides Detroit was Heavy Rain. Yes. And I thought, fantastic, finally, this is my chance to play it. Yes. Uh, so I bought the package and Heavy Rain was the first game I installed. Um, and do you know what? I fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that because mm-hmm. I can certainly remember at the time of release garnered a lot of criticism and I think unfairly because a lot of people compared it more to an interactive movie as Mm. opposed to an actual game and so people were like where are the gameplay elements whereas Mm. you know when you actually think about it there are gameplay elements and it's very much that you know it's present it's there um, you, you just have to sort of play the game but at the time it was very much at the time it was like oh my god like this is so weird um that you are effectively playing an interactive movie and i mean to put it in some perspective this game which i didn't know until i started doing research for this show um Mm -hmm. and i was surprised myself that i actually did research but i was surprised that at doing research that game itself not only was the soundtrack recorded and composed at abbey road studios which is phenomenally impressive in its own right and it is a phenomenal soundtrack that very much lends itself to the avon or the uh, the genetic what if you like of the game if you want to use that word but at the same time it is just an amazing feat of engineering and it took Mm -hmm four years for that game to be developed wow yeah which which oddly yeah so that's amazing when you when you say that like well this is it and oddly enough now um it did not take that long for Mm -hmm. other things to be developed so for beyond two souls and detroit become human now whether there were certain limitations due to the technology or what was available to david cage on his first title i don't know but heavy rain took the most amount of time and so again through a little bit of you know making notes and doing a bit of research i found that heavy rain took four years and cost $40 million or 40, actually wasn't $40 million. I should say 40 million euro cost 40 million euro still, you know, a massive amount of, um, of money. Oh yeah. Whereas, whereas Detroit become human only cost in comparison, 30 million euro. So they actually saved in some way, 10 million euro on Detroit Become Human. And you would almost argue that Detroit Become Human in some respects, because it was brought out and developed for the PS4 as opposed to the PS3, is the more well-rendered, well-developed game. Um, 
it's it's just bizarre, bizarre. But uh, I would love to know, Ryan, what were your kind of what were your impressions of some of the characters in this game, some of the playthrough playing yes yeah. what was kind of you know what was the feedback that you that you have well originally play, initially playing the game you know logging on um with the with the start of the game when you I'll, what i like about the game first off is how in depth they go with the character detail like oh, i absolutely yes. love that like starting off the game playing as uh, as ethan mars in his family home you know he's got a wife he's got his kids he's playing with his kids um initially i, I saw that and i thought this doesn't look like the game that I remember watching, but you know, st stuck with it a bit. And then, yes. of course, you end up losing your child, and everything happens, and it all kicks off. Um, yes. And as soon as I got into it after the first one, into the whole rainfall, if you will, I just I was glued. Um, just how in depth they went with the character developments of Ethan and Madison, Scott and uh, Norman. It's just absolutely incredible i was sucked honestly sucked in yes no 100 percent. i mean it's uh the characterization in this game is incredible i mean my my personal favorite characters in this game have to be fbi agent norman jaden and particularly because jaden who is investigating the origami killer is yeah. introduced into the game as you know the person that the FBI draft in to look after the serial killer. He basically mm -hmm. ends up uh, partnering with and and he himself has his own fatal flaw. So the whole thing is written very Shakespeareanly like. So in the sense that every character, every main character, has a fatal flaw of some mm -hmm. description, and so in this case. Jaden is an FBI profiler who's struggling with drug addiction. And yeah. so he's investigating the origami victim. And at the same time, he is also working with um, a police officer. And the two of them, I mean, the police officer, the, the detective that he's working with, and for whatever reason, I cannot seem to remember the name of that detective. Um, why can't I, I know, why can't I remember the name of that detective? Um, it's Ethan Mars and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to have a look at that. That is going to bug me. Um, uh, no, I'm gonna, I know, I know, but he is basically, he is working. I'm going to have a look at this while I'm, while I'm talking about this, but he is basically working on a, um, trying to find Sean Mars, who was Ethan's son, who was the latest uh, capture victim of the origami killer. And at Carter the same time, Carter Blake, thank you. Yeah. And, he, and he has this absurd relationship with Carter Blake, which mm -hmm. I kind of likened to the relationship that Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman have in the film Seven, in the sense, though, that in that film, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt sort of become friends or allies, mm -hmm. whereas in this film, you know, well, I say this film, this game, but it's very much presented like a film. But yeah. in this film, Blake and Jaden just end up basically um, becoming 
um, just they hate each other, like they cannot work together. And Jaden is a very likable guy. He's a really nice guy as he's mm -hmm. presented, despite the drug addiction, you know, that's obviously something that's kind of kept away from other characters. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that you get to a point where Jaden can actually accuse Carter Blake of being the origami killer. So I don't know yeah. if you're, yes, and I don't know mm -hmm. how much you're aware of this, Ryan, but basically what you have to do is that you have a fight with the origami killer and the yes. origami killer is like dressed like the Invisible Man or something. You know, you can't see anything. You know, he's completely masked up. But you fight mm -hmm. him in a nightclub in the um in the boss of the nightclub, Pablo's um basically area, if you like, Pablo's office. Yeah. And as the origami killer is leaving the room, you end up grabbing onto his coat and you pull off and you you tear off some receipts in his pocket. Yes. And you find out because of a watch as well in the game, you find out that, oh, hold on a second, the origami killer is a cop, you know, yeah. and you can then go to the point of actually accusing Carter Blake, which is quite mm -hmm. a nice little detour that does virtually nothing for the game, but it's quite interesting I that that was added. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. And I say after, of course, because it's got those sunglasses as well that records everything. That's so right. When you go back to analyzing the footage and you can analyze different parts and you see he's got a gold watch on. They give out the gold watches when the police officers get promoted. Yes. So yes. He's twitching together that goes, right, it has to be a police officer. No, and then, absolutely. Uh, of course, personally, I'm sorry I didn't uh, accuse him, but I did. And got me thinking, you know. I mean, like, is it? Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think, obviously, that the, the weird thing about a game like this is that you know the best. You know, I mean, okay, look, if you're listening to this episode out there, you probably kind of get the idea, right? We all know that Scott Shelby, the private investigator that you play as, is the origami killer. Yeah, and I will come back to that because I have a huge problem with that. That is probably the one thing I dislike about the game. Right. Um, however, however, um, despite that, if you're playing the game for the first time and you have no clue that Shelby is the origami killer, if you don't even suspect that he is the origami killer, if you think that it could be Madison, if you think that it could be Ethan Mars himself, you kind of sort of start bordering on the idea of what if it is Carter Blake and what if the reason he's doing such a bad job is yeah. because um, he purposely doesn't want the kids to be found. Um, mm -hmm. And that's quite fascinating. But yeah, Norman, Norman was, was definitely my favorite character. I loved that whole sort of dynamic. And of course, if you do things incorrectly, Norman can actually die before yeah. the final showdown. So Norman can actually get killed by Mad Jack in the mm -hmm. salvage yard, which is which yeah. is quite fascinating. Um, but I did want to mention, and, and please, by all means, I'd, I'd love to know your, your thoughts on this, Ryan, but I did want to mention that one thing that annoyed me <laughs> is that when I'd, finished, when I'd finished the game for the first time, Mm -hmm. um way back when and i'd finished the game and i was like hang on a second the origami killer was scott shelby 
So when you replay the game, a lot of the stuff that Scott does is a complete red herring. That whole thing with going after Kramer's son is a mm-hmm. complete red herring because it's like you are the origami killer. You know, it's, it's almost yeah. like, well, yeah, yeah. No, I completely understand. It's like when you go in and accuse him, uh, and of course you get into all the trouble, like the gunfight and all that um, with the Kramers, and then of course you end up threatening uh, Kramer's dad. Yes. It's like, Yes, it gets me thinking, but then I, as soon as it's revealed at the end, you're like, "What was the actual point of all of that? The fighting with the Kramers and that? Because everything <laughs> else that Scott, everything else that Scott does in the game, I can completely, totally understand. He's yes. posing as a private investigator, and claiming he's, you know, gathering evidence to solve the case. And in reality, he's gathering evidence to destroy it to cover his back. Yes, all that yes. completely, I can understand, but I just. I can't wrap my head around what was the point of accusing the Kramers unless it was just a personal grudge against him, you know, which isn't really explained. Uh, but I never understood the whole link with the Kramers at all. The, um, the, the only thing I can think of uh, was that Kramer was leaving flowers on the grave of John Shepard, who was uh, Scott's uh, brother who had died and had become but I say that and people will I, I can hear them correcting me you only <laughs> legitimately find that out when you're in the graveyard with Lauren so you yeah. and Lauren are in the graveyard and suddenly you realize somebody's leaving flowers on the grave mm-hmm. so in that respect um, you don't really know that Kramer is leaving flowers on your dead brother's grave at the same time, though, there is also the fact that when Gordy Kramer did kill the victim he killed, a mm. lot of people said he may have been the origami killer. And I suppose from Scott Shelby's point of view, he's trying to find out what the justification is that real or is somebody trying to copy what he's doing? And it's almost as if Scott Shelby is like offended that he has a copycat because they don't understand the real motivations. They're just basically committing his crime and getting away with it. Um, but it's it's still something that I think is is a massive sort of, as I say, a red herring in the storyline. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And initially as well, I mean, I, I often thought that the the role of Madison Page, I thought was massively underdeveloped in the sense that she's the one main character who doesn't really have a lot going for her. Now, it's mm. funny that the scene in the scene in which she um, goes to the doctor's house where she yeah. tries to get uh, a trope and, and she's mm. basically using it as an excuse to steal stuff from you know, to find out about the Blue Lagoon, um, yeah. which again is is pointless because when you play the game originally without that scene, um, you end up having uh, a couple of like, you end up finding out that the Blue Lagoon through some other methods. But the point is that you don't actually need that particular scene. Um, okay. But, but um, it's interesting that that was actually part of what was supposed to be called the Heavy Rain Chronicles. And it was going to be multiple content and multiple downloadable scenes. 
And the only one they ever produced was the one called the taxidermist with Madison Page. But the idea was that they were going to basically um, put in another a load of scenes, basically, that they were going to have, um, you know, a load of little extras as a sort of a director's cut, which okay. uh, I thought could be, could be quite fascinating. Um, oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it would have, I, I think in some ways it would have been a little nice to see extra scenes or to have the game go on that mm. bit longer in that respect. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know it's it's just it's a, it's a weird one, but I think definitely I felt that Madison of the main characters was was the weakest uh, character. But I mean, in terms no, of no. characters, actually, who was who was your favorite personally, Ryan? Personally, see, you, you can't fault Norman. You know, Norman, yeah. second and unclean cut. But I also really liked Ethan Mars. Um, yes. Just yes. the willingness he would go through to save his son. Yes. Like his second son, after he tried to save his first one, is, you know, it's just incredible to see the character developments. And I honestly, since the beginning, since it was actually revealed to be Scott Shelby, I always thought it was Ethan as the origami killer. And oh, my wow. Just, okay. Because mm-hmm, I always thought it was like some, after he got hit by the car, some brain damage or something like that, you know, because he has his his blackouts then he wakes up and in the middle of nowhere sees bodies and doesn't know where he is um so i always thought maybe it was and then of course you get a hotel room scene a hotel room scene even with ethan and madison yes. where yes. madison then asks ethan if he is and he says I'm, i don't know i'm not sure yes so honestly i always thought it was and he's just may have you know even people snap you know maybe he's accidentally gone to the rage and unconsciously kidnapped his own son almost killed him and doesn't know where where he is so it's um I, yeah i but just you know, going that just thinking it was ethan all the way through the game just yeah i'd have to say ethan mars has to be my favorite character out there well it's it's interesting definitely because um I think the 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 thing he comes out with is oh what I'm a schizophrenic who drowns uh, his victims in rainwater, and has yeah. kidnapped his own son. You know they'll lock me up and they'll never let me go, and it's mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Um, so when you did your first playthrough, um, yes. one of one of the more pivotal points in the game is that you can either be caught by Carter and Norman and go and be imprisoned and questioned. And then basically Ethan can help you be released. Um, Or the other option is you get away from them by getting onto the train in time um, with Madison's help. What was was your sort of experience there? Uh, Well, my outcome, I I got away, you know, I got on the train, Um, but it was just like, it's really, because you know, of course, the police have taken out Ethan's wife, has or ex-wife at the time. Yes. Um, yes, has obviously just gone to the police and said, "I think it's Ethan." Yes. So then, just uh, getting away and just seeing like the split screen cam of you're here, the policemen are right up your back, and just having to navigate like, okay, they've gone down there, so I need to go up here, or they're over by that taxi, I need to go around this black car. Um. I love that. I, I didn't know first playthrough that I, if I could be caught, or would it be game over or whatever? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I've never played a game like this before. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's oh, it's a fair yeah, it's a fair point actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I managed to get away, you know. Um, but then of course you got Ethan's whole thing with big crowds and that, and uh, I thought if I was going to get caught, I would have got caught on the uh, the uh, train station. Yes, yes. I found that uh, very difficult to navigate through, especially with the split the split screen. Uh, oh well, no, that's that's an absolute nightmare because the first mm. time that happens, the directions as well are purposely confusing, and you're yeah. obviously carrying Ethan, so. Mm. The funny thing is that if he does that trial, he obviously cuts off his finger. And so he's in a lot of pain and he has to have Madison's help. If he leaves the room and doesn't cut off his finger, he ends up getting shot by the police officer. And so then still needs Madison's help. So there's no way of avoiding the situation in which Madison has to basically drag him into the train. Um, but yeah, it's quite a it's quite a fascinating one, all right. It's, um, oh, if definitely. you basically what happens is that Ethan becomes convinced. Well, sorry, Norman becomes convinced that because Ethan doesn't fit the profile of mm-hmm. the origami killer, that there's absolutely no way that it can be Ethan. So yeah. what happens is that you end up getting investigated by uh, you get interrogated, and you're telling them nothing. And Ethan basically just gives you a police lacquer and helps you walk out of the police station and just basically helps you escape. Um, I don't know whether there's an option to mess that up and be caught trying to escape and whether in doing so that just ends the game for everyone and Sean dies and the origami killer gets away. That's possibly, possibly what could happen. Um, yeah. but I mean I, I think one way or the other um, it's it's meant to be that like Ethan is very much convinced that it's not Ethan Mars which is quite interesting because that then ties into the idea of him thinking oh it's Carter um, yeah. of course he doesn't know Scott Shelby now here's the interesting one for you um, which again I'm not sure if you knew do you know when they go, when when Scott Shelby and Lauren go to see Manford in the antique store? Yes, the clock, clock fair shop, yeah. Yes, that's him. Um, mm. And they're talking about the typewriter and all this kind of stuff. And they're, they're going on about the Royal Five and all that. Um, yeah, yeah. The interesting thing there, uh, which, is, which is quite fascinating, um, is... If you don't get all the fingerprints off of the glasses after you find Manfred's body and you realize the police have been called. Yeah. If you don't get all the fingerprints off the glasses and the door handles and all that, you basically have to spend time explaining the situation at the station. And who should you speak to? Only Carter Blake. And Carter Blake mentions that you used to be a police officer. And basically that the two of you used to work together and that Carter knows Scott Shelby, which I think if you get that cut scene, mm-hmm. it's probably more like you probably start to think more, oh, hold on, maybe he is the origami killer. Um, right, okay. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, that's I, a, I didn't get that scene because I, I almost came close to not getting all the fingerprints off. And yes. so I did the phones, I did the magnifying glass, I did glasses and the window ledge 
and then I walk to the door and if I would have not because it gives you like the option to leave very like it is a decent gap between you and the front door before it says you can leave yes um I think something happened that I wasn't I looked away for a second wasn't paying attention end up right next to the front door and then yes. it gives me the option to clean the fingerprints oh. honestly if I, if I didn't take that extra step I think I wouldn't I don't think I would have uh would have got all the fingerprints like so I never got that scene I, I got that accidentally yeah. you know well well you don't unfortunately you don't end up being jailed which kind of would have helped massively if like Scott Shelby had been in jail um yeah. although <laughs> having having said that there's a question of like when was he able to send those text messages to Ethan so there's the whole thing of when Ethan gets the last letters of the address there's a question of well is somebody Helping Scott Shelby. Um, yeah. The administration of it was quite was quite urgent, but maybe that's just me thinking too much into it. But either way, because he's, got, he's yes. with um, oh, I can't remember her name now. But uh, Madison. No, no, the uh, woman that's with Shelby. Oh, who, La Lauren, Lauren. Yes, Lauren. Yeah, um, Lauren he's Andrew. with Lauren most of his time in the game, you know, because she's trying to help him. So yes. it's a fair point. Like, actually, when did he manage to say, "Oh, by the way, Lauren, I just need to go over here and send a message," and then send <laughs> message to Ethan? You know, it's like yes, that's uh, no, fair. I never actually thought about that until you've mentioned that. It's um, there you go. But um, the, so the game, the game was originally released for PlayStation, as we mentioned, February two thousand and ten. It is well over ten and a half years old at this stage. Uh, there was another Move edition. For the playstation move on playstation 3 the okay. move edition doesn't really add much more to it except for the use of the move controllers which is um you know the the sort of vr type thing which is probably you know worth playing if you ever get a cheap playstation move mm. definitely well worth playing um obviously remastered for playstation 4 in 2016 and then again for Microsoft Windows in 2019. Um, now, this game has won three BAFTA awards and sold over 5 million copies. Um, funny so. enough, yes, indeed. Funny enough, though, um, it was meant to have a film made on the game. Now, for a game that was so much a film of its own, maybe having a film done would ruin it. But... Um, even as recently as 2013, uh, there was reports that David Milch, who was a writer for NYPD Blue and Deadwood, that he was going to adapt it under the title Rain. Um, I'm sort of glad, to be fair, that um, they, um, I'm, I'm sort of glad that they didn't actually uh, make that movie. Because I think yeah. Heavy Rain is very much its own film and is nicely contained in that respect. Oh, of course. And it's always a question, like, what ending would they do in a film? You know what I mean? It's just... Uh, well, like, the whole appeal of Heavy Rain as well is you don't know what the ending's going to be until you've played through the game and then the series of events that you pick will lead to the ending, whatever that may be. So yes. taking that away would probably in a film would probably ruin half of the heavy rain experience. Um, personally, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm glad it had never actually made it to the big screen. I just, you know, 
as you say, it's a film on its own, and of course you get to pick the outcome depending on how you play. No, I mean a hundred percent, and and I think you know the fact that it's a PlayStation exclusive as well as as we mentioned sort of at the start of this is that mm-hmm. you know you want to play an Xbox 360, but at the time, yeah. Heavy Rain outsold all Xbox 360 games in Europe during mm-hmm. the first 15 weeks of 2010. So it yeah. was ranked number 10 in console software sales in, um, in, in Japan as well. Um, it, was a, it was a big, big deal um, and won a lot of awards. Now, obviously, looking to follow up Heavy Rain, and to do that successfully, uh, David Cage turned his attention to the next title in the series, which was released three years later. Now, it is the next title in the series, but has absolutely no connection whatsoever <laughs> with Heavy Rain, other than the fact that it was developed by Quantic Dream and directed by David Cage, and no doubt the producers, designers, programmers a lot of the same artists worked on it. And to confuse things even more, for a lot of gamers nowadays, they suddenly think it's locked in because, as Ryan has said, when you go onto Steam, it's locked into the sale. So you mm-hmm. see like a sale with it and heavy rain. You also see sales where it's tied in with Detroit Become Human. And to be fair as well, heavy rain and Detroit Become Human were actually released as a physical copy both games were released together on the PS4 um, in the same box. So that very much tied the idea that you'd almost be forgiven for thinking these games must be in some way connected. Yeah. It is fair to say, though, that, um, and for reasons that we will get to, Beyond Two Souls is probably more like a film than Heavy Rain. And yet it has less interactive storytelling in the sense Mm -hmm. that you can do more with the controller and you have more control over things you can interact with in any given scene. Yes. Um, Yeah. So. No, completely. Ryan, what were your initial sort of thoughts of Beyond Two Souls? And having having finished Heavy Rain, was there sort of a sigh of, oh my God, what an emotional discovery right onto the next one? Or did you sort of go, I think I'll, I'll give it a moment and just, just ponder that. And then how did Beyond Two Souls, did you, you bought it at the same time? Is that right? That is correct, yes. I um, bought it all at the same time. Uh, I had, it was a good, I think, week or week and a half before I started on uh, Beyond Two Souls because I've just finished Heavy Rain, you know, massively invested in the story. It yes. took over my entire life for three solid days, you know. Um, so I thought, right, I need to breathe. I need to let it rest because I didn't want to bust through all the games all at once because then I'll be finished them within the month. Um, yeah. So I want to let it breathe, let me soak in what I've just played and probably grumble to myself that I didn't suspect Shelby or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then I, I think a week and a half later, I think it was just, yeah, what to say, a week and a half later, I started on Beyond Two Souls. And speaking to you, because I've sp- spoke to you a lot, you were the one who recommended it to me. Indeed, um, indeed. 
I was suspecting something like Heavy Rain. What I played was not like Heavy Rain, and I liked no. it. It was different, yes. and I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. it like it, why got was they've taken the idea of heavy rain and went right let's make it semi-open world and i thought that yeah. was pretty cool it's like not fully open worlds of course you still got your, your level based progression but there's more you're not in heavy rain like you'd walk up to a, a hotel room door and that's all of the hotel you could see yes yeah where you'd go for like and there's a mission where you're in the the desert in uh in uh, Nevada. Yes. And you can just, you're walking by the entire ranch. You can walk in and out the house freely. You go so far away from the house. There's like a, a much wider area you could explore. And I, I like that. I thought, right, that's, it's more, like, of course, it leads you where you want to go and everything's, of course, in a one big loop. But I just liked how you could explore more and have more open world with uh, Beyond Two Souls. I have to, I have to definitely agree. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think, um, what they learned with Beyond Two Souls was that if they took any sort of criticism, mm. um, um, if they took any sort of criticism from Heavy Rain, it was the fact that the narrative was at times a little bit confusing or that there were inconsistencies in the narrative. Yeah. What they did for Beyond Two Souls was to give you a lot more opportunity to play a video game as opposed to feel like a passenger in a movie where you're making decisions like an FMV type. And so certainly with Beyond Two Souls, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was quite cool in that respect that you were able to um, effectively mess about with, um, you know, that, that whole idea. Now, Beyond Two Souls in itself for those who who don't know um is about the uh adventures of jody holmes who is one of two player characters and the other is an incorporeal entity named aiden and it's us or aiden whichever but it's a separate soul linked to jody since birth now jody is portrayed by actress ellen page of course who has gone on to lot of things since mm -hmm. but indeed she possesses supernatural powers through a psychic link to Aiden and growing from adolescence to adulthood while learning to live with Aiden and the powers that they share mm -hmm. and of course in probably the greatest casting decision in a game in history co-star is Nathan Dawkins who's a researcher in the Department of Paranormal Activity and is also sort of Jodie's surrogate father figure. He is played by the amazing William Defoe. Now yes. I the love that. Yeah yeah and, and I think the fact that they've added William Defoe in this game mm -hmm. Uh, it immediately, because it's Ellen Page and because it's William Defoe, immediately you have that sort of, uh, it's just it's just that sort of um, moment of excellence where you're sort of like, right, I'm going to get two actors who know what they're doing. 
And I mean, you know, there's there's absolutely no way that you can deny that William Defoe doesn't know what he's doing, especially by by this stage in his career. But at the same time, Ellen Page is just such a phenomenal actress as well. Oh, yeah. They, they just worked so well. Now, it's funny, though, because despite being a video game and despite being more of a video game by Heavy Rain than Heavy mm -hmm. Rain, Beyond Two Souls actually ended up premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2013, marking only the second time the film festival recognized a video game. And um, yes, indeed. Could you? Or, oh, yes, it is. Do you want to do you want to take a guess? I know I've, I've left you on the spot here a bit, Ryan. Mm -hmm. But do you want to take a guess what the first time a film festival this particular Tribeca Film Festival recognized the video game as a legitimate entry was. Ooh, I've got to guess it's going to be, have to be some Telltale game. No, actually, believe it or not, it's not. Now, I can give you, I can give you some clues. Um, it's a Rockstar game, and it's not too far off from the release of Beyond Two Souls. So it was only about a year or two before. It was a very high profile Rockstar game. And in my opinion, it's a phenomenal game, but it's probably the last game that people realize when they think about Rockstar. Ooh. Um, not bad. Is it going to be GTA 5? It's not, no. Um, it it <laughs> is, um, no, no, it's not. It is, um, it is L.A. Noir. Oh, yes, that makes sense. Kind of. Oh. Which, 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 of course, is in itself a phenomenal game. But a oh, lot yeah. of people, when they think of Rockstar, the last game they will ever mention as coming from Rockstar is probably L.A. Noir because... Yeah. It is totally abstract um, to, to what uh, Rockstar do. But yes, uh, so Beyond Two Souls uh, became only the second game ever to be accepted at this particular film festival in 2013. Now, the actors, Defoe and Page, worked on the game for a year-long project, and they performed voice acting and motion capture acting and pretty much did everything as far as this project went um i have to be honest and i mean i might as well be honest but this particular game there are obviously less characters in this game that you focus on than in heavy rain so yes. in a sense my favorite character was nathan dawkins was defoe's character um, but I am going to go straight in there during the conversation. I am going to go straight in there and say that the ending, especially as far as Defoe's character was concerned, that yeah. was probably a, that. That was a gut punch, actually, in a sense. Yeah, that was like a complete one eighty from what we've seen the entire entire game. Especially if you played the, because it gives you a choice now. I don't know how recently you've played it, but when I played it on the computer. Um, it's a gives you a choice of the remixed version or the original version, and the yes. remixed version happens in the chronological events. Yes, 
I think even with the remix version, I played the original, of course. Um, yeah, it's just like a massive, like, you go from this loving, caring, I say, father figure, Nathan, just look out for Jody, but he's also got to do his research, to just a man just crazed on wanting to get his family back after so many years of not having them. And just completely just goes insane over the thought. It's Yeah. Definitely, definitely. 180, and I, I never would have guessed it. You know, first meeting Nathan never would have, you know, never would have come to me. So it was a massive, like, as you say, gut punch, like, oh, Nathan, he's fallen. Yes. And I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's funny, actually, because when you, it's funny that you mentioned the remix version, because I was thinking about this, because when you play the PS4 version, gives you that option of playing the game in chronological order or in like kind of order of history as opposed yeah. to how it's presented in the ps3 version the storyline is very different it's presented very differently and you don't find out purposely you don't find out about nathan's family until mm -hmm. a lot later in the game and so yeah. um and it's also, I have to say that what I loved about Beyond Two Souls the most was the subtle changes. And yes. sometimes it was difficult to get those subtle changes. So mm -hmm. one example that I always come back to is that I played the remixed version on the PS4. And I played it in the last couple of, the last couple of weeks I was playing this game. And there's a scene in which Jody wants to go out early on in the game. Jody is on a military base and she wants to go out on a Friday night with her friends to a bar. And so she wants to go out and have a couple of drinks with the girls on a Friday night. But she's still a teenager. I'm not exactly sure what age she is. She's about 16, 17. Um, now, whether she'll get carded or something, I don't know. But leave that aside. But the point is that she wants to go out on a Friday night and some of her classmates have apparently invited her out. Um, now, the funny thing is, so she has this big argument with uh, Nathan at the start of the scene. And Nathan is like, no, Jody, you can't go out unsupervised. You're not like every other kid. You can't do that. They have this big falling out. And then what's meant to happen is that Jody is meant to calm down and go back to and she decides, no, she still wants to go out. So she yeah. uses Iden. There we go again. My computer has gone off. She uses um, Iden to basically um, take over um, the assistant, Nathan's assistant, whose name escapes me. But anyway, there are very few characters in the, in the game. Anyway, the point is, uses Aiden to take over this guy. And basically you play as this character controlling this other character and you head out the door and you go to look to get into your car. Now, yeah. what I knew, what I knew was that if I played the game and I didn't get caught by the security officer at the front door of the military base and mm -hmm. I was able to go straight out into the neighborhood that effectively um, I could get to the bar. Um, but instead of having a drink with the girls, um, some men would effectively attack me and attempt to assault me on the pool table. Yes. So 
in that respect, I thought, well, what happens if you do get caught? And mm. I basically had to go out of my way to say absolutely nothing to the security guards, the slowest security guard in the world, to slowly walk up to this guy, to finally put his hand on his shoulder, and suddenly he's jolted up out of it. And it's like, oh, my God, yes, of course. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, you know, uh, what the hell has happened? And then you suddenly yeah. find yourself back in with Nathan, and Nathan is like, Jody, that was extremely dangerous. You know, mm -hmm. it's Cole. We don't know what could have happened with Cole. He could have been injured. He could have received brain damage. And then basically Jody just cries on Nathan's lap and says, I just want to be like all the other girls. And you think, okay. But the funny thing is then the next scene, Jody is dressed differently as to if she'd gone out to the bar. She's no longer dressed like a punk or a rebel. Her yeah. clothing has changed. And then later on, when she does her military training and her instructor is there and there's that romance between them, she's more likely to want to be with the instructor if she's not attacked in the bar. And I thought that was a beautiful change as to how the character's experiences in the game directly shape how she acts in later missions, regardless yeah. of how you play it. And I thought that was an absolutely beautiful thing to put in. Oh, definitely. It's just the small changes like that, you know, it's just, it just makes the game the game, you know, as you say. Yes. But tell you something, you, you have to probably go out your way there because it's hard to get caught in that scene. Like, it's, uh, it is. Um, but notice small, subtle things like that just make make the game and it's a nice, nice nod to the game as well. Oh well, I mean, you you basically have to um, you basically have to stand there for about yeah. ten minutes and just sort of like say nothing. And he's slowly approaching, and it's like, "Are you okay, Cole? Uh, he's got something wrong with his throat. Are you okay, Cole? I don't think he's much for talking tonight. Are you okay, <laughs> Cole?" And it's almost as if they're like willing you to say no, so you'll steal the car. But that's the yeah. funny thing, because when you get to the bar, as far as I'm aware, once you're in the bar in that particular scene, there's mm -hmm. no way of getting out of that. There's no way of avoiding any of that whatsoever. Um, no. That you have to, 100%, you have to be involved in that. But um, yeah, it's, it's just it's a great sort of game and and then again as well i thought another scene that always stuck with me um was when jody has to do her first mission for the cia and it's the first mission in the ps3 version of the game but it's not the first mission in the ps4 version uh, so, yeah so the mission in the ps4 version is when she goes to the embassy but the mission yeah. in the PS3 version is trying to assassinate effectively a character who, for all intents and purposes, is like Osama bin Laden or something. And she yeah. has to go to um, the, you know, to the Middle East to assassinate this leader. And as part of doing so, she shoots the father of the child she befriended in the street on the way there. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like just a, a, a sucker punch to the gut be quite honest uh i know exactly what you mean it's uh it's definitely a very as well as the games they like drive emotion out of you and that seems yes. particular it's like you think oh you know what have uh 
what what's just happened? What have I done? And then when you find out in the end that it's you've just killed the the guy who's he's not Osama bin Laden, he's just he's the peacekeeper. Uh, and then it's it all clicks like you've probably just started World War Three or something, you know. It's uh, definitely drives emotion out of you. But what I like about say with when I played the game, um, it starts at the embassy. Yes. The whole game, like when you're an adult and you're on the run from the CIA. Yes. The whole game, you're like, what did you do? What did you know, what happened? What did you do? Yes. And yes. it leaves it until like really late in the game before it says, this is what happened. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, really I, I like, like that. that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely like that because that as well, like that whole scene of how that's set up when the cop is like, we found you in the middle of nowhere. Were you in an accident? Did something happen? You know, if yeah. you don't help me, I can't help you. And then you see sort of Nathan rushing there going, fools, they don't understand what they have. You know, they need to get yeah. away from her. But at the same time, it's like, uh, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it's, it's mm -hmm. and again, um, as we mentioned sort of at the start of the, uh, towards the start of the show, this was another exclusive on PlayStation. You you could not, unfortunately, play this on Xbox 360 or, yeah. you know, certainly Xbox One even now. Um, and it's yeah. only recently, it was only last year that it eventually came to PC. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it did say it. It's, uh, it's opened my eyes to, to the game. You know, I, I'm looking forward to actually getting through Detroit Become Human because I've played these games and I'm so glad that they're actually available on PC. I probably would have got a PS4 if I didn't get my PC uh, just because there's other PS4 exclusive games I'd like to play like the Spider-Mans and that um, but I'm glad I found it on on PC. It's just it's for, I couldn't it's the game I could not recommend enough you know these two that we've talked about today. Um, I mean yeah absolutely and I, I yeah. think I think as well, though, I think like uh, the the whole idea of sitting down and playing Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls back, mm -hmm. back, even though they've got nothing to do with it, they lend themselves very well to Detroit become human. Um, uh, obviously, because you haven't played all of the game, it wasn't something that we would go into in such depth. Um, I know that you've only sort of started it, but for the yep. benefit of, of all of those uh, out there who have played it um, and those who want to know more about it, Detroit Become Human is effectively the PS4 uh, David Cage game, which is now on PC as well. And it was released originally in 2018, so PC gamers didn't have such a long wait for it to come to PC on like Heavy Rain or Beyond Two Souls. Mm -hmm part of 10 years for heavy rain but Detroit Become Human is based around actually a demonstration that Quantic Dream gave in 2012 um, called Kara and it was basically about an android that was built to service humanity sort of a domestic servitude and mm -hmm. so the plot in Detroit Become Human follows three androids Kara who escapes her owner to explore newfound sentience. Uh, Connor, whose job it is to hunt down sentient androids. 
and Marcus, who devotes himself to releasing other androids from servitude. Um, and so that's that's basically sort of game. But um, that's cool, right? Um, because it seems like it's combining both aspects of the multiple characters from Heavy Rain, and then of course the open world aspect of Beyond Two Souls. It's just that's cool that they're kind of yes, yeah, like, very like, much those so two together. Oh um, yeah, I would I would definitely say that. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely like that. Say no, sorry. Yes, yes. Of sorry. Another thing with uh, Beyond, while we're still on the subject of it, what I like and didn't like about it at the time, I liked it. I, like, I didn't like it all the way through the game, but then I liked it at the end. Was the order that you play your stuff in? It's like you start yes. off as an adult, then you go to a child, then a teenager, then an adult, and you know it, it keeps jumping through the point. Yes. Yes. Um, and knowing how it was funny because knowing how heavy rain is, it's uh, I wasn't too worried as a kid and adult of killing Jody, but when a kid and a teenager, <laughs> but when I got to the adult stuff, I thought, gotta be careful, don't want to kill her, <laughs> gotta be careful. Yes. I don't know, just knowing how the game, how um, heavy rain was, I was like, right, gotta be very careful. I've only got one character, I can't kill yes. her. Um, but then you see the bouncing between a few got be confused at the beginning but then I just you know grows linear as the game gets on um no no a hundred percent and then it gets to the end where you play the epilogue and she's talking of course now she's without Aiden or Aiden um yes and she's trying to build herself a new life and then when she goes uh she says on something on the lines of that her memories are fading and she doesn't remember what happened in what order in her life I thought that was like quite cool just you're playing through yes. the game as Jody remembers it. Yes, I thought absolutely. that was quite cool. Like as soon as it was explained at the end, I thought you know, that makes completely sense. I really like that. No, I I have to agree. Yeah, I thought that was mm. I thought that was really well done, and I like yeah. I like that especially because um, you know Jody. I think there was so much that went on because of course ending on the ending that you choose you can either be with ryan or you can be on your own or you can be with the baby and the people you met when you were homeless or you can yeah. be on the ranch yeah. and effectively it's just you know there are so many different endings because all oh, of yeah. these different stories are so well contained mm -hmm. um but I, I did love that, especially. Yeah, I have to I have to say actually a hundred percent that was one of ones that I, I liked the most. That I love this idea that at the end of it, Jody was like, I can't really remember what happened. And I'm sure that whatever did was okay. And at least I came yeah. through it. And and you kind of think, well, then it doesn't matter what ending you got as such, it was mm -hmm. the ending that was naturally right for you. Um, yeah. which which meant that unless you were going to mad, you know, unless you were going to become obsessed with it, there's no mm -hmm. real reason to replay Beyond Two Souls unless you specifically want a certain ending. Um, yeah. One one particular scene I love is uh, early on in the game when Nathan wakes Jody up uh, in the middle of the night, and he takes her to the laboratory that's being attacked by the other side because they've opened up a portal and yes. it's quite it's it's quite an interesting mission because mm -hmm. Jody can succeed in that mission but at the same time she can very easily fail and it's actually very difficult to succeed 
point that yeah. she's against overwhelming odds. And so mm. purposely, the player is made feel the weight of what's going on. And very yeah. early on, Jody can sort of get thrown out and just go, no, I can't do it. And then you never sort of find out what happens if she doesn't turn off the condenser. You assume they find a way. But it's it's kind of it, yeah, it's it's quite interesting how that's done. Um, oh, definitely. And um, what I like as well is I think like because these games get you so immersed into the whole experience and spend all this time building characters, like the drop, like I know I was saying to you uh, a few weeks ago, like drop like bits of everybody into Jody. If that makes sense? Yes. Like, yes. I know I mentioned to you one scene that really, one level even that really uh, got to me in a way was the yes. um, party scene where she goes to the party she doesn't want to be at. Um, well, she wanted to be at, but then she didn't. She changed her mind because, you know, she's just, just she's not sure. <laughs> yep. Teenager, yeah. Yes. And she's a loner and she's by herself. Then she goes to this party. Seems like nice people because then their mum leaves and they're just, you know, they're drinking, they're doing drugs, and she's just really uncomfortable just trying to fit in. Um, and then eventually, of course, she gets then she gets bullied at the party and thrown in the cupboard. Yes. Yeah. That just like I saw I got invested fully from probably that point because I just saw like right, I myself I was alone at school, you know, I didn't have very many sure. friends at school, you know, so I saw myself and I thought, that's the scene that really clicked to me, you know what I mean? It's like, yes. that's the scene that really, like, clicked me in. A um, very, very emotional scene, but at least you get yes. it in the house down at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's <laughs> which I, it. Yes. Which I took great pride in doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I do think, yeah, no, I, I do think you're 100% right there. It's mm. it's one of those scenes where you can very easily either walk away or mm. you can burn the house down. And if you choose to, you can really have some fun with that. Um, yeah. And yeah, it does get it does get very emotive. It is a very sort of mm. gripping um it is a very gripping scene, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and it's it's something that I I definitely um, yeah, it's something that I I definitely remember very viscerally. I also think it's a bit odd as well how it is that they're giving her like a book of rare poetry. Must be I know like the, the girl is like <laughs> 16, 17, and Nathan is like, oh yeah, no, it's a book of rare poems by Edgar Allan Poe, and it's like. What teenager? I think the present that her other friend gives her is like underwear and then they're sneaking beer and it's yeah. like, and they have a cake and then she's there going, here's a book by Edgar Allan Poe. And it's mm. like, are you are you kidding me? Like who the hell thought that would be a good present for a teenager? <laughs> Un unless he thought, look, she'll see this as an investment. I don't know. I think maybe yeah. it shows how out of touch Nathan is. Uh, maybe that's mm. part of Maybe that's part of the appeal there, you know, that you're meant to sort of, you're not meant to just go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, here's 20 quid or here's $50, you know, it's... Um, yeah, like he's trying know. to make an effort with what he would like, but he doesn't yeah, know what the girls would it. like. He's trying to help Jody out the best he can, but obviously ends up uh, not working out how 
planned, maybe? No, no, that's it. So, so I mean, I suppose if I was Jody, I'd be going to take revenge on Nathan, going, how dare you give me that book? You put that <laughs> present. You're the one. You're responsible for this. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I oh, think fault, I, Nathan. Exactly, exactly. I think I think either way, though, um, I think it's 100% um, a great game, well worth oh. playing, as is, as is Heavy Rain. Now, I have to say that I have enjoyed massively uh, this conversation that we've had, Ryan, about these games. And I cannot believe that we are coming towards the end of this show, um, which has, quite frankly, shocked me as to how fast the time has gone in. But I know it's just flown by, hasn't it? It, just it has. But, but that is both the secret of a great topic but also yeah. a great guest. And so thank you so much for giving up your time to come and speak on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, not a problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. I've had an absolute blast talking about the games and just talking about video games in general, you know. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. No, of course, of course. And I know that when the world obviously goes back to feeling a little bit and when the world sort of gets back on its feet, I am definitely looking forward to seeing you and your compatriots back in the ring, uh, kicking arse and having chats with you about gaming in person, indeed. Uh, so yeah. absolutely. I've been looking forward to those days. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> as we as we are all. But um, I suppose the, the, the one thing I wanted to to ask then at the end of the show is yep. is going forward um when it comes to detroit become human that you're sort of playing at the moment or even watchdogs legion um mm -hmm. what is it that helps a good game become a great game for you so what are the qualities that you'll be looking for in those titles help yep. them become great titles for you so for me, the main thing is, because I don't play a lot of multiplayer games, I'm more of a single-player kind of person. Yeah, sure. So for me, it has to have a good story. It has to have a story that grips you as engaging. Um, the gameplay itself it has to be good, it has to be playable. I, I wouldn't say it has to be the best, because I played, um, not nothing against the game, but I played Murdered Soul Suspect. And... I didn't find the gameplay of the game relatively exciting or interesting, but the story itself gripped me all the way through. So I definitely a story, good single-player story, engaging, good character development, a plot, obviously, um, and a nice way to end it off. That's, uh, that's the most important thing for me in video games. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree as well when you say about the single player thing. I think the art of the single player has been very much lost. And that yeah. is to say that, you know, although multiplayer gaming is obviously the way of the world and is important mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff, I think to be fair, um, you know, single players um, really have suffered in the sense that it is nice to see a single player narrative game because it doesn't necessarily mean exclusion because it leads yeah. to moments like this where we can actually sit and talk about games that are single player games, but that yeah, equally yeah. we've enjoyed at different times. And 
obviously many people now enjoy playthroughs on on services like twitch and whatnot so i mean yeah. many people obviously love that but no it's it's been an absolute uh pleasure ryan and uh obviously for for you guys out there you've been listening to plug in and play uh here on nova radio extra part of the nova radio northeast family and indeed podcast and um Thank you for taking time out of your lives to listen to this episode. There will be more episodes. There is at least one more. So go back and listen to me and Chris talking about the Final Fantasy VII remake. And uh, whenever you're listening to this, it'll probably be around the time that the PS5 is launching. Or who knows, maybe PS5 is already a year old and you're like, Jesus, you guys took a while to get this out. But either way. <laughs> It will be out, and um, it's it's been a pleasure to do the show, and um, and thanks a lot for listening. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves, and uh, speak to you soon. Take care.